Jacob was left alone. Now remember, he was separated. All right, he has separated his family uh, and his flocks. He is sending all of these presents to Esau as peace offerings. He has already seen that God is faithful uh, in giving him um, his leave of Laban. Uh, there wasn't any incidents there. There wasn't any fighting that happened there. So you see all that. God has again and again and again proved to Jacob that he is faithful, he is part of the promise, it's going to work, all right? But he's divided his people, all right, into two separate groups, and he keeps sending all of these gifts to Esau. Because remember, 20 years earlier, they sort of left on rough terms. That's a good term, huh? Uh, He was afraid Esau was going to kill him. Um, Probably a good fear. Uh, now that I think about it, probably very good fear that Esau probably would have killed him. Um, but that's pure speculation. So, verse 24, he says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Okay, now this is an interesting phrasing, and I don't want to get into the specifics of the Hebrew text and all the rest of it, but I want to show you something. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. All right, now stop right there. All right, now there are all kinds of implications here. All kinds of implications here. And and I want us to think about it for a little bit because we think about it. Everybody thinks about this wrestling match. All right. And uh, Jacob ends up with a dislocated hip. And yeah, I know. And they don't eat the bone, hip bone, because that's the Jacob's all of this. But I, I want you to think about something. What are we being taught here? All right. Well, well, this is a Christophany. Uh, this is a, a pre-incarnation of Jesus and, and he's messing with Jacob. Okay. Is that what's going on? Okay. Let me take you to a different text. Now you got to understand something. When Genesis was, was written, this text wasn't written. Okay. So this, this text came a little bit later. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A few thousand years later. Okay. Uh, it came a little later. It comes out of the book of Hosea. Hosea. Hosea is right after uh, Daniel. So if you go to the major prophet prophets, and then keep going to the right, you'll get a Hosea. If you go to Joel or Zephaniah and all them, you've gone too far. All right. And you want to go to Hosea chapter 12. Hosea chapter 12. I want to show you something. And I don't want to get into a whole bunch of stuff, but I'll help you here a little bit maybe. Okay. When you study the book of Hosea, anytime you read Ephraim, it is 
Israel. Okay, and I don't want to get into when we get to the book of Hosea, I'll explain to you why that's happening and all the rest of it. But I don't that <clears throat> that's not part of it right now. Okay, that's not what I want to do. Ephraim verse one in chapter twelve. Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east windly wind continually. He multiplies lies and violence. Okay, so you can sort of get it right now that there's a little problem going on with God's relationship with Israel. Okay. Moreover, he makes a covenant with Assyria. Okay. That's, that's just not good. All right. Um, and oil is carried to Egypt. The Lord, Yahweh, also has a dispute with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel. Okay, do we know who he's talking about now? Jacob. All right. And in his maturity, he contended with God. All right. Yes, he wrestled with the, what does your text say? The angel. And prevailed. He wept and he sought his favor. He found him in Bethel and there he spoke with us. All right, now stop right there. Here's the tone that is being given here. All right. Hosea says this man is who? An angel. Okay, well, is it God or an angel? Yes. It's a messenger from God, so it speaks forth of God. I, I was putting some finishing notes on some things. Uh, uh, speak with the angelic languages comes out of First uh, Corinthians thirteen. Uh, if I speak with the voice of angels or the speech of angels, and and you know what is angel talk? English, <laughs> if they're talking to you, <laughs> okay, because they're a messenger from God. I don't need the Hebrew angel, okay? Re- remember, let, take, let me take you back for a few minutes because I want you to think about this. You've got to think about this. We've already looked at the Tower of Babel, okay? And God said, let us give them different languages. I mean, that's literally what he did. Who created language? God did. Which ones? All of them. All right. So when God needs to talk to an Ethiopian, he'd already created that language. When he needs to talk to a Hebrew, he's created that language. When he needs to speak in Arabic, he can speak in Arabic. Okay. He is needing to talk to Jacob. Why? Jacob's got a problem. Jacob is not trusting God. That's in his gene pool. I mean, it goes back a little ways. Okay. Has God said? And you say, God says you will surely die. No, you won't. What did man do? He believed the father of lies. Jumped on it just like that. What has happened ever since? You can go all the way back. Look at where we're at in Genesis. What has he always done? We don't believe God. Okay, now in the Hosea text, okay, 
I mean, we get a lot of stuff comes out of Hosea. We don't ever marry a woman named Gomer. Uh, you know, and I'm thinking I'm, I wouldn't even date somebody named Gomer. But anyway, uh, that's that's a whole different thing. Uh, surprise, surprise, surprise. But anyway, um, you because know, you marry Gomer, you get surprise, surprise, surprise. But anyway, um, the thing with Hosea is Hosea is literally living the relationship that Israel Ephraim has with God. And he's living it out. I mean, you know, I hope that Hosea has a cherished place in heaven because that man was tormented to say the least. But I want to show you something here that's really very interesting, fascinating to me. In verse 4, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. And then he throws this phrase in. He wept and sought his favor. Okay? Do you know what that phrasing in the original language is always specific to? Prayer. It's prayer. It's always used to speak of prayer. Um, I had the privilege to be in Israel and Jerusalem on a high holy day. Uh, and um, it was a celebration of the book of Ruth. No, Esther. Sorry, Esther. And um, I got the, the, the privilege to go down. You couldn't take pictures down by the wailing wall because it's, I don't know, it's holy that day, holier that day, and they don't want to take pictures and I went down there and I watched these people lining up they would stand in line and wait to get a little place on the wall Uh, he had the women over here on this side he had the men over here on this side Uh, you would see soldiers coming in uh, that would be on their lunch breaks you see policemen come in on their lunch break and they would tie a phylactery on their head and they'd run it down the back and around their arms like this and then they'd get over to the wall man and just get after it and they were weeping and wailing and and they were in in hebrew but you would hear them calling out adonai and elohim and adonai and and this one guy was there had this uh uh it looked like a a sheet uh, i mean it's, it's more like a dirty sheet it was more of a, a brown sheet he had it over his head and he was tearing it okay and i watched this guy and he's weeping and wailing at this wall okay now i don't know everything he's saying i do know enough you know that he was calling on god yahweh uh, he didn't use the word yahweh they won't use yahweh but and then you'd see him take the sheet off. He had a nice suit on underneath it and he walks out. Okay. But you can see these people. You stood there. They had it barricaded. And you had to go through this little entryway. And me being prime Gentile looking dude, uh, you had to get a little, kick, uh, I don't know what they, no, it's a Yamaha. Uh, it's okay. Whatever. You know, them little things. You had to put it on your head and, and, and you had to go in. And you could see these people coming out, the women coming out on one side and the men coming out on the other side. And their eyes are all red and these people have been crying. Why? They always attribute prayer to this pleading and wrestling with God. Okay? They're praying... Now, they struggle with, like you and I, when I pray, am I really making God change his mind? Or how is that really working? You know what? I am clueless. I don't know. I can give you text after text where God changed his mind. And people, you can't say that. Why not? The Bible teaches it. It says he changed his mind. He stopped. 
He relented. He changed his mind. I let you live a little longer. Oh, but this, listen, he's not changing his nature. He's not changing his character. He's just saying, nah, not right now. Not right now. I mean, Moses went up on the mountain and prayed for them people. I'm going to wipe them off. Well, but your name will be soiled because you chose them people. And it says he changed his mind. This is a literal translation. So don't freak out if God changes his mind. I don't understand why we all, oh my God. No. Listen, you take people go to the foot of the cross, weeping and wailing and begging. Is God compassionate? And he will hear. And you know what? In some cases, he may even change his mind. Interesting concept. Okay, now let's go back to Genesis. All right? He says, but now your name shall no longer be Jacob, but it be Israel. Okay, now I need to understand, you need to understand this phrasing. How important it is, and I got to try to get you into a Hebrew mindset. That ought to be fun. All right. Your name, okay, is your identity. That is who you are. Okay. How many of you have ever heard the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Okay. Everybody here heard that? Do you know that's not their names? That is a Babylonian name. And that is what the Babylonians would do. They would pull you out. They would take the best and the brightest, both of them, and they would take them out and they would make them Babylonian. And they would give them Babylonian names. All right? They changed their IDs, their identities. Now think about it. Well, that seems kind of weird. Really? What do women do? They change their names because they have changed their identity. Okay? Now they change the, from their maiden name to the to their married name and things like that. Why? I am submitting to this plan. Alright? Anytime you look in history, especially if you're in the Old Testament, when you see names start changing, you really need to pay attention. That is crucial because the identity of the individual is now being changed. Oh, what's the big deal? Really? When you get to heaven, what's your name? Oh, you're giving a new name. Why? Because your identity has changed. You've got to understand that. I'm going to get the name that fits me. Right now, my name says Tenderhearted. And everybody says, right. Been there, done that. Eh? You was named wrong. Yep, I was. So when you see name changes, uh, you're going to see it in the book of Daniel. There's some other prophets that you're going to see that the name gets changed. Why does Hosea refer to Israel as Ephraim? There's a reason. There's a reason. Why? They have built... A high altar. All right? Wait till you see the verse that says, Leave Ephraim alone. 
God says, leave Ephraim alone. You don't ever want to hear that. You don't ever want to hear that. That is not a good place. That is not a good place. Okay? And, and we'll look at that. What does he say here? Your name shall no longer be Jacob. Remember what Jacob stands for? <coughs> Trickster. Okay? But it will be Israel. Alright? And it literally means, anytime you see E-L, see that at the end of it? That's God. You've heard El Shaddai? El, El Elyon? Okay? That's God. Alright? And Israel, Israel is he who wrestles. Alright? Now watch what he says here. You have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Fascinating thought. Okay. He has been at a time of wrestling with an angel of God, perhaps a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. I don't know. I have no idea what it was. All right. But I know that when he walked away, he walked with a limp <laughs> and he did till the day he died. But I do know this. God changed his name from Jacob, the trickster to he who wrestles with God. Why? Because Jacob had been wrestling with God. No. Not specifically that night. Though that was it. He stayed too long with Laban. He has been wrestling with God and not trusting God for how long? From the time he put the goat fur thing on the back of his neck and he took the bad bowl of chili in there and said, Daddy, here, chili, I am Esau. He's wrestling with God. He's not trusting God. When you do not trust God, you are what? You're wrestling with him. All right, now it says that well, you have wrestled with men. You know what? Never has a people ever on the history of the planet Earth been as persecuted and oppressed as the nation of Israel. Nobody. Nobody has been in more enslavement. Nobody has been more killed for who they are than that people. And yet they prevail. You know what? No time in history has a country been absolutely obliterated and then yet comes back and is reconstituted. It's only been done one time. In 70 AD, the nation of Israel ceased to exist. Gone. All of its identity is gone. All of its politics is gone. All of its leaders is gone. Everything is completely scattered. And you do not see Israel until 1948. And it shows up again. It's never happened. Never happened to another country. Not one country has suffered the devastation of Israel and come back. I mean, and, and everybody's like surprised about it. Well, they did it with the Assyrians. They did it with the Egyptians. Do you know what? Egypt, Egypt was one of the greatest world powers until one fatal mistake. They would not let my people go. And you know that since that time, e Egypt has never been a world player. They've never been able to achieve anything. Why? 
let my people go. The Assyrians took them into captivity. The Babylonians took them into captivity. The Medo-Persians took them into captivity. And he got smart enough. He says, you know what? Cyrus says, let's send these people out of here and send them back. And that's where you get the writings of Nehemiah and Ezra. Rebuild the wall. Rebuild the wall. Why? Well, there's political stuff going on. They were afraid of the Greeks. And they could build a fortress in Jerusalem, have the Jews build the fortress, and if the Greeks invaded, then we have a fort that we can go fight out of, and everything is copacetic. We're in good shape. So when you read this text here, it's so easy to just slide through and say, this is where he got up there and he walks with a limp and all the rest of it. But you've got to get the Hebrew mindset. He changed his name. His identity has been changed. Look at the rest of his life. Does he wrestle with God? <laughs> Not when you get up every morning with a gimp. Okay. That's what I wanted to bring back together. Now we move into chapter 33. Jacob lifted his eyes. Why? This is after wrestling with an angel or God. Now look what happens here. I want your blessing. I have wrestled with you. I have fought with you. I am weeping. I am brokenhearted. This is awful. Help me here. Jacob looked up his eyes. He looked, behold, Esau was coming, 400 men with him. So he divided his children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids and their children in front. This is the guy. Now remember, he was pursued by Laban. And he got through that. He's still got a bag full of idols hanging out that he doesn't know about. All right, now he looks up and he sees his brother coming. He's just spent the night wrestling with God or a messenger of God. And he puts the girls out front. The boy just ain't getting it, is he? He put the maids and their children in the front and Leah and her children next and Rachel and Joseph last. But he himself passed on ahead of them and bowed down to the ground seven times as he came near his brother. All right, so now he's getting a little stronger. All right, the seven, seven bows, is the, is seven is the complete number, and seven is saying, I honor you completely. All right, that's what he's doing. All right, ground seven times came near his brother. Then Esau ran to meet me. Now here you got your little baby brother who stole your birthright. Okay, and just and then run off like a big old chicken. Okay, and now he's sending you all these offerings of cattle and goat and oxen and all this stuff that he's wanting to give him and peace, love, tranquility, dude, you know, that kind of thing. Esau ran to met him, embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Why? God had gone before him. That's what the wrestling was about. God, God's wrestling with Jacob saying, you ain't getting this boy. Pay attention. I said, I will take care of you. I'm the one who took you up to Laban to get you a wife. I didn't mean for you to stay up there for eternity. Here's what he says. He lifted his eyes. He saw the women and the children. This would be Esau and said, who are these with you? <laughs> That's what I'd have said. What in the world have you done, brother? Um, So he said, the children whom God have graciously given your servant. He keeps using that term. I am your servant. What was God's promise? The older will 
serve the younger. So why does the younger keep calling the older Lord? And why does the younger keep calling, saying, I'm your servant? He ain't trusting God. Then the maids came near with their children and they bowed down. Leah likewise came near with their children and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph came near with Rachel and they bowed down. And they said, why do you mean by all of this company which I have met? And he said, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. And it's, it's, a, the, the, it's a small L and a little and it means you're my master. Okay. But Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be your own. Jacob said, no, please. If now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand. For I see, now look what he does. For I see your face as one sees the face of God. And you have received me favorably. Please take my gift. What, what is going on here? He is doing more than humbling himself. Okay. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have plenty. Thus, he urged him and he took it. And Esau said, let us take our journey and go and I will go before you. And he said to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail and the flocks and the herds are nursing and are a a care to me. Uh, And if they are driven hard one day, all the flocks will die. Please let my Lord pass on before his servant. There he goes again. And I will proceed at my leisure according to the pace of the cattle which are before me and according to the pace of the children until I come to my Lord at Seir. All right. Esau said, please let me leave you with some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord, master. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. All right. Here's what happens. Esau has been missing his brother. And he can't figure it out. Jacob's still gun shy. He's afraid Esau's going to fix it. Okay? You know, if you're dead, you don't get the blessing. (laughs) Okay? And um, Jacob has watched God's faithfulness in everything that he does. I mean, even when he was trying to take the weak stock when he was raising Laban's flocks, his stock became stronger. And every time he tried to turn it a different way, he got better. God's hand was on it. Laban, the pagan, the Canaanite, understood it, saw it, and understood it for what it was. You are the God of creation. That's fascinating to me. That's what is stated when we speak of God. What do we say? We are the God of creation. The one who made the heavens and the earth. He isn't Yahweh or the God of the Hebrews or any of that other weird stuff. He is the God of creation. And then Laban says it. He's the God of creation. Why do we struggle with that? Because we're trying to buy the lie. Well, God created over billions of years. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He's the God of creation. All right? Here's what he says. He says, Jacob, 
Through you will come the promises. We've seen the kids now. How many kids we got? Anybody remember? We have 11. We need another one. And we need to dump one, so we need two. Well, we do. Everybody laughs. God don't like Dan. Watch, I'll prove it. <laughs> he sent them all to Salt Lake City. Called them Mormons. We are the tribe of Dan. You guys should read their Bibles. There's a certain tribes of, that I would not want to be in, and that's not the one that I want to be in. Do you understand that? All right. He's, God has been so faithful to Jacob over and over and over. He's proven it. Remember when we looked at Abraham? He kept proving it over and over and over and over. And even when he was making some really dumb mistakes, he kept taking care of it and brought him through it anyway. And you see that right now with Jacob. Now watch what happens. <clears throat> Verse 17, Jacob journey to Sukkoth and built for himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Uh, those would be stalls for us here in Colorado. Not booths. Let's go out and build a booth for the cow. Um, therefore, the place was called Sukkoth. Now, Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, uh, which is in the land of Canaan, where he came from Padaram, which is Mesopotamia, and camped before the city. And he brought he bought a piece of land where he had pitched his tent and from the hands of his sons of Hamar and Shechem's father for 100 pieces of money. And, they, and he erected there an altar and he called it El Echor Israel. Okay. Mighty God is the God of Israel. Is that word? Okay. He erected an altar there and he called it a mighty God is the God of Israel. Okay? He's been reconciled back to his brother. He is back in the land where God said, I've given you the land. I want you to stay there. God has again proven that he is faithful, but God has changed the identity of this man. And you will see in the histories, in the, in the months and years to come, that that name has a price to pay. Okay. And some of us deserve, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I don't, you know, they, they run to idols on a regular basis. Remember the little bag of idols that Rachel has ferreted away. That's um, going to come back to haunt him. All right. Here's what I wanted us to understand from this. There was an awful schism between these two brothers. Now, let's be realistic about this. The schism that exists between Jacob and Esau is a heck of a lot greater than the schism that was between Cain and Abel. Okay? And I mean, you can say, well, mom wanted me. No, you still do it. All right? And, 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 I, and I see families today that play favorites, and I said, man, you, you do that, you're going to cause problems. However, however you slice it, it's going to cause problems. And, and I, I try to warn people about that, but you know what? It didn't work for them. But there was a schism there. And let's be realistic. Almost an unrepairable one. 
Okay, but then you see what happened with when when Jacob left and he went to Laban. He got him a wife. He got tricked, got duped there himself a couple of times. And I look at all of that, and I sit and look at that, and what do I see? God is still faithful. He is still faithful. Okay, and even when you look at it and you think, you know, he's going to sneak out of town. I'm going to take all the grandbabies. I'm going to take all the, the, the daughters and I'm just going to sneak out of town and nobody's going to see me. And he got caught. Why? Because that's how he thought he could resolve the problem. And yet God resolved the problem ahead of schedule. All right. He's going back to Esau. and He's going back to a place. He don't know he ain't going to get killed. How did he overcome it? Well, he wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. And it's obvious that there was some prayer going in. That's what Hosea tells us. So he wrestled with God. And God said, I am faithful. I've given you the land. I've given you an inheritance. All right? And I am true to my word. Not only am I true to my word, I will make it happen. So when we wrestle with God, are we willing to say, so let it be? That's what he's showing us here. I mean, even in the foundation of his covenant people, he took them in spite of themselves. I mean, that's, I don't have any other way to describe it. These people were knuckleheads on a good day. I mean, you know, this... that. I look at this family and say, that's the shallow end of the gene pool. They don't have that figured out. And so when I look around at us, are we really that great a piece of work? No. And every one of you who are in this room tonight know that you can look in your life and you can see where God was faithful. Okay? And there's times, have you ever gotten in a place where I just don't even want to talk to him? Just sort of ignore him. If I ignore him, he'll go away. <coughs> Have you ever done that? You guys are probably more spiritual than me. I've done that. And it's like, shh, I'm not listening to you no more. Every time you listen to me, you point out something wrong. And I'm not talking to you. Okay? But he doesn't leave. And he continues to show his faithfulness. He continues to show his faithfulness. And I find that fascinating. This is one of the first times that I see somebody wrestling with God all night long. I see another person who did that. Our Lord and our Savior. And I'm still trying to struggle with that. I'm thinking he knew what the plan was. What do you think? Okay. That's an amazing stuff. Brothers and sisters, we have such a great cloud of witnesses before us. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of wrestling with God, even if we have to wrestle with Him all night long. Okay? And I'll know you if you did, because you'll limp the next day. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the amazing things You continue to show us on a daily basis. I praise You, Lord, for my, for my brother Jacob, he who wrestles with You. Father, we all wrestle with you. Father, you're such a loving and gracious God. And you put up with our feebleness. You put up with our silliness. And yet, Father, your love overwhelms us. Even, Lord, 
when we sin against you. You show us mercy. You show us your grace. And you continue to pour your love upon us. Father, that I don't understand that. But Father, I am thankful. Praise you and thank you for this night. In Christ, in Christ alone. Amen.